Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. And when it's about being in a garden, it must be about life being yes. a garden. <laughs> because life is a garden. <laughs> Michael, Melanie. you agree? Yes. I think your whole life is just about gardens and golf. That's all the G's. Yep. <laughs> He's just and looking greatness. at me. I mean, at least you know it's like gardening when you golf because you have to go farming, don't you? Uh, well, what, or hacking around What would the life be if there weren't gardens? I mean, what would we do with ourselves? Well, we have a challenge in, I want to say, within the nursery industry and probably at the moment is the more millennials I speak to and I ask them if they even have a plant in their house or would want a garden and they look at me like I'm completely crazy. Why would I want to look after something that's green? But Carrie Goodwin, you and are completely crazy. We know this. You will only eat spinach if it's covered in chocolate. Exactly. But I just can't understand. There seems to be a generation that maybe doesn't like live plants or is not 100% seeing the benefits of plants at a certain age. Mm. So I was trying to think like in between my 20s and 30s was plants and gardens and all that surrounds us that environment as important as it is now. Was it for you? I want to say the environment was important, but I didn't have a plant in my dorm room. Didn't you? No, I only started when I moved into an apartment. Then I I ended up getting a ficus, which is still with me. It has traveled to various houses with me and is still in its same pot. I tell our customers that. (laughs) I got that when I was 23 years old and I still have it. Isn't that scary? I didn't manage to kill it. I think it's the first thing that got my gardening going. I have never not had a plant in my room or yeah. flat or wherever I stay. I've never not had a plant. I've always wanted to have. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of people have said to me, well, you know, it's, it's your upbringing. If your folks love no, plants, not. then you will love plants. And I thought, well, my folks weren't plant people. Yeah. But when I was five, I can remember wanting to plant things in the ground all the time. So it's something in your DNA. And it's not necessarily... You know, the environment you grew up in. Mm. I think some people just grow up loving plants, which is the way it is. Well, I always had my bedroom looking a bit like a, a hothouse. Yeah, <laughs> I was like that too. Yeah. But they had nothing. So, I mean, I can't remember there being plants inside the house when I was growing up with my mom and dad because we were always out in the garden. Yes, so. yeah, I was going to say, we have ours all out in the garden. Yes, but there wasn't really a culture of indoor plants as such. And they said there were those, remember the elephant's feet? Lithops. Lithops, yes. yes. Which oh, we, we loved when we were kids. So, but the, yeah. the novelty things and, of course, your… Rubber plants. I grew up in my yes, folks. Yes, all had rubber plants. The one plant my folks had in the house, well, there are two plants, philodendron mm. and Swiss cheese plant. And What's a rubber Swiss plant. cheese plant? <laughs> That's what, you know, when I grew up, it was all about common names and people made yeah. up their own names of plants. So, you know, <laughs> I grew up with this plant that looked like… Well, it's Swiss cheese because it's got holes in the leaves. And then oh, if, that's you know excellent. The Monstera. Monstera Deliciosa. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, so we weren't talking about that's what the it was other ones. We weren't talking about or anything. No, not no. the philodendrons. Or, but mine was yeah. always those, what are they called? The, oh, man, now I've just gone blank on the name. But the little purple flowers that you always just break off a leaf and stick it in oh, the Oh, African violets. African violets, yes. yeah. So it was African violets and lithops yep. were pretty much what you would find. The old plants. And it immediately brings to mind those brass holders and crocheted doilies and kind of and macramies yes and macramie yes so all of that's making a comeback now yes which is actually might be due to the millennials and those old-fashioned plants like even i always think of the bromeliads with the gray leaf Mm, mm. those i always think oh that's my grandmother's plants but now when you see in magazines they'll have those hanging in macramie and it's actually quite trendy and the plants that like the 
ficus robusta and there's rubber plants. I mean, now there's elastica. Elastica, yeah. Yeah, You know, they've got pink variegated ones. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is a big move towards, especially now in winter, one, having a cleaning environment in your home. And so all these plants are taking out all the pollutants from our cleaning products, Mm. you know, from maybe if you have a bry or not a bry in your house <laughs> fire in your Just home fire to the floor there we go yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know then they're actually helping but even strange ones life as a garden was talking about calathea which is a variegated indoor plant mm-hmm. and it's quite hardy except it likes moisture and this is i think where people especially in winter when they start putting plants in their homes They forget that we actually dry out the air in our home by having heaters, having electric blankets, and then they wonder why their spathifilum is not looking like it should or that their ferns, which always look awesome in the summer, now are starting to get like a little bit brown on the edges. And it's because there's lack of moisture. I know why that's happening in my house because the dear daughter went and hung it in front of a (laughs) west-facing window. So the thing got burnt and shriveled. It'll do it every time. But, uh, you know, I, I remember reading something many years ago. I was living yeah. in a flat in Hilbert when I started working, and that's yeah. going back he lived in a <laughs> He lived in a cave. He had a grotto. I had a grotto. But oh. I can remember reading something that stayed with me. The inside of a home is a hostile environment for a plant. Mm. And that's just something to live by. And if you can just remember that all the time, plants are not necessarily happy there because we make it comfortable for ourselves, and plants don't like the lack of moisture and and sometimes yes. they don't like the west-facing windows in the <laughs> afternoon in the middle of summer. So we have to be mindful of that and say, well, you know, how do we create a microenvironment that makes these plants happy? Put them all in your bathroom. Your bathroom should be like a lush, tropical environment there you go. where <laughs> your plants Put moss on the floor. Well, that's become Melanie's like, um, plant hospital. Okay, All of the indoor plants are now sitting in the bathroom so I can sort them all out because children tend to forget to water them. Yes. Yes. So I was going to say that to me is the only room that's probably not too hostile in your in well, your house. The kitchen's house. not bad. The south-facing window sill is not a bad place to be. Yes, but then you get people who are growing their herbs on their window sills, which yes. is also quite popular at the moment, especially because they still want to buy. And when we talk about it later, the curries, they still Ooh. want to buy chilies. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's wrong too time cold of year. for chilies. Yes. And basil. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And they say, no, no, we're planting it on our windowsill. It will be perfectly fine. I'm like, oh, okie dokie. Windowsills right. can get very happens. cold as well. Yes, yeah, I yeah, think so. And yeah. that, you know, you get that extreme then because you get the reflection from the sun in the afternoons. And mm. then you get that cold in the evening. And glass seems to make it even mm. colder mm. than what it is. So definitely a hostile environment for a plant to grow on a kitchen windowsill if it's meant to be outdoors in the sun. Yeah, and, and unless you have a, a double glazing. Yeah, but indoor plants are definitely something that are making a comeback. And even, I want to say, sadly, if they're not living. So the <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've, that is what I have actually reverted to. I went to find some wonderful places where you can get plants that look real. Well, they aren't. Because <gasps> then you can have the feel of plants in the bedroom that children don't have to And they after. are mind-blowingly realistic these days. Yes. I, mean, I have had to walk up to some of those plants in garden centers and, and say, I have Hello. to actually tweak them to yeah. make sure I'm not yeah. imagining it. Yeah. So some of them, they, I must say, they do look gorgeous. But I have been told that they are, you know, devils for gathering dust. But that's easy to put them in like you would with your ferns anyway. I mean, just dump them in the bath and spray them down. Unless you've got a whole yeah. ivy growing around your lounge or something. <laughs> that is a bit of a mission, yeah, I would imagine. Why would you have ivy growing around your lounge? Oh, no, some people do. You know, yes. you sort of, it's, it's decorative. But no, I see where you're coming from. 
like I was with AstroTurf not that long ago, it wasn't my thing. Now mm. all of a sudden I found in a lot of the design work I do, there is a place. As you always said to me, but I need a place for everything. everything. Everything has its place. So So what other house plants are you looking at apart from… The one when we're talking about the dust and actually Mm. being completely foolproof is the aspidistra. That is cast iron plant. Cast iron plant. And so it Your low light solution. Yes. Yeah. So and I mean so that would almost be a plastic plant to me because it needs very little water, Mm. doesn't get affected by pests, can take cold, can take heat. It's just if you want to give somebody a present that to tempt them into getting green fingers and think that they could become gardeners. Sorry, I'm just raising my eyebrow at you. Okay. (laughs) Make sure it's somebody that hasn't killed an air plant already. <laughs> I know people who can kill anything. They're very skilled. No, no. Don't give Aspidistra, them plants. Let me ask you something. I have yeah. seen different varieties coming out of Aspidistra, no, which is quite exciting. I've seen a little pygmy one with little yes. spots on it and all sorts of things. So this is something exciting because Aspidistra to me used to be that plant where you walk through an old building in Hillbrand and you've got this <laughs> dark corner with this dark plant. green thing. Yes. And nowadays you get these really remarkable looking Aspidistras. Yeah, there's one called Milky Way, so it's not a dwarf. So it's still that same green, probably grows to about 50, 60 centimeters. But then it's got the little speckles of white on it. So it's very interesting. And as you say, you get a lot more that are coming out with variegations so more stripy mm. so i think aspidistra is probably one of the best indoor plants um the one that i also like is the maranta mm-hmm. which is very similar to the calathea and that the leaves are speckled on it and some people say that it yes. represents the 12 books of the bibles because it's got 12 dots on it okay. and it looks like a book opened on a page so that's also one of my favorite ones and then if you're more bold and you're looking for something else, there's one that's called Stromathea, yes. a tricolor. And then that's got the bold, like a cream color, and then a burgundy or purpley color, and then a slim slither of green in it. So I think, you know, your plants don't have to be, in the magazines we've seen a lot of the ficus lorata and the spathifilum and green indoor plants. But maybe you could just be a little bit more adventurous and look for something with variegation or, or bold, bright, cream-colored yes. stripes. I mean, the gosmanias, yeah. some of those things oh. are amazing. Yeah, the hypoestes has been around forever. The polka dot plant, and I mean, yes. that's some of the most fascinating. Did you say polka yeah. dot? Polka dot. Polka dot. The polka dot plant. I'm sorry, <laughs> I beg your pardon. No. It was a silent L in my view. <laughs> But but no, but I can remember when you used to get those, it's similar to the coleus. Yeah. Yes. It's always looked it was one coleus. Yeah. And now you get there's so oh, many especially that lime yes. green one. I like planting that around like dark blue agapanthus. Oh beautiful. Oh, in a pot. I mean that's that just awesome. looks absolutely yeah. phenomenal. But and I mean, you get the red ones, the henna's and Yes. Yeah. No, there's lots of coleus. The but your bronze coleus, variegations and oh and you get goodness. the sun variety now of coleus as well. Yes, mm. I so so yeah. but I would be careful, depending on winter, your coleus might get hit by the frost. They so do. just be a bit wary of they that. They do. I can tell you for a fact. I've got a very protective garden, and yeah. it doesn't get a lot of frost because I've got a lot of tree cover and stuff. Yeah. But I put a lot of those coleus in my garden during the yeah. summer, and it looked fantastic and everything, and I don't have one left. <gasps> so Already? even in a protective Already? garden, they got... No, this was last season. Oh, good. I was going to say, we only had two nights of frost no. so far, and no, not this, proper frost. This was last season. But so the, the bottom line is, I think you're totally right. If you're going to put yeah. them in your garden, be prepared to have to protect them. I yes. Think. Yeah. yeah. And, but they do come back. No, or, a lot of mine didn't. Oh, I think really? they took a lot of a lot oh, of. Oh, thank stuff. goodness! I was going to say they took the a lot of heat, center. but that would be wrong. <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep the garden centers in yeah, business, you keep Michael. Us in there business. you go. So we're very, very happy if they so don't. See, even the people with green fingers still manage to kill things. Yeah. And, I mean, it's one of those things when people come and say, 
always if they're coming in for coleus. And I say, look, it is for outdoors, but I would really be very careful. What kind of what? And they don't even know what their gardens do. Um, I know. And the best is when people come in and go, I'm looking for indoor plants. I said, well, then let me direct you back indoors. <laughs> <laughs> so everything out here grows outside. You want stuff that grows inside, go inside. But be prepared. I mean, this is the thing. Be prepared to move your containers around, which yes. I do. Mm. Uh, for instance, I've got a greenhouse at home and I've got a coffee tree, but it's in a pot. Mm. But I have to put it into the greenhouse every winter. So, you know, know that you will have to do that. There are certain plants that mm. we do that with. We put yeah. them into the greenhouse. We protect them. You might move them from one side of your house to the other side of your house in winter. And I think that's something that we talk about green fingers and somebody once said to me, I think it was Keith Kirsten, he once <laughs> said to me, it's not about green fingers, it's about acquiring the knowledge and making the mistakes. Yes. I think it's true. Yeah, or in my yeah. case, chaos theory and just don't care if it doesn't just grow, chaos it doesn't theory. belong there. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, it, if it grows, <laughs> it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> if it belongs so there, you know. It will survive. It and I mean, I know we're, we're going to be talking about curry and I actually, I'm so excited, I went and I bought myself a little a curry leaf. Little, it's tiny, but I haven't managed to kill it yet. And I'm getting a bit worried. And I'm thinking, okay, fine, I've put it underneath something else, but it gets lovely afternoon sun and, you know, mm. looking after it like a baby. Because that's one of the things I hate, like, you know, having to, oh, God, I want to make a curry. I'm going to have to go and buy curry leaves. Where am I going to find curry leaves? It's one of those things that you do have to have for a curry. And now I'm growing my own. <laughs> so you are going to keep it protected for winter then, by the sounds of things you've. Put it yes. in a pot and it's in a pot yeah. and it's in a sunny little place outside my bedroom, so I can keep on motivating it and oh, saying, "Hey, nice. baby!" And it's underneath the jasmine. <laughs> motivating kind of her curry tree. <laughs> I, I've got I've got one in my, my greenhouse. It's three years old and it's doing remarkably well. And uh, oh, lovely! I've been using it ever since. And you're right, protecting it is key. Yeah. In this country, you don't have to protect it for long. No, no, I don't think months, so. Really. I mean, we're already yeah. quite late in yeah. our temperatures; haven't dropped too much so far yet. Mm. You know, we keep having the discussion in the nursery as to whether they are going to drop or not. Because I thought of our late rainfall that we should have a cold already. Mm, it has gotten a bit colder than it was in May. Yeah, definitely. not too cold. Mm. And then we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, we hope we've whetted your appetite mm. <laughs> for mm. all things <laughs> nice and tasty, especially when it comes to curry. Talking about, you know, cold weather is one of those mm. things that definitely brings to mind nice warm food. And I'm a sucker for a good stew. I'm a uh, sucker for a good curry. Uh, definitely for a good curry. <laughs> and, uh, None of these are wetting my appetite at all, actually. No, she's a sucker for like hot chocolate. Yes. <laughs> On spinach. But, no, yeah. I, I immediately, I mean, I had a couple of friends who taught me to cook different style curries. So Malay mm. curry, Durban curry. I mean, there's so many different, like, of course, your green curries, the Thai curries and things yes, like that. Yes, that's what Life as a Garden is talking about. Oh, they're talking They've about got Thai a curries. It's Thai curry. And it's yes. so funny because, I mean, I would just think, why would anybody want to eat or grow coriander? And I think it's one of those things that if you haven't acquired a taste for it when you're young, that eventually you may acquire a taste for it. And I cannot imagine having a curry without coriander in these yeah. days. What is Life as a Garden saying about so Ooh, I'm looking here, I'm reading it upside down. Mm, I'm, I'm. So I think what's really lovely with is that as we become more adventurous with food, so and the plants are actually following. So we never used to be able to buy or grow garlic easily ourselves. Mm. But now you can buy the bulbs and you can grow your own garlic. You can buy your own turmeric plants and grow your own turmeric. And I think I have actually just seen ginger as well. Mm. You know, I used to say to customers, oh, no, if you want to buy it, you have to go to the shop and go to an organic shop so you can buy the corm and then plant the corm and hold thumbs and maybe it will grow. But now the plants actually are available in your garden centers. And so you could go and buy all these really spicy 
good for you, wholesome, <laughs> not for me, <laughs> for wholesome herbs mm. that you can add to make your food more flavorsome. Those so, are more spicy. So, I mean, I'm thinking about all that Vietnamese coriander. Yes. Life as a Garden did say that's one of the ones, and you could even put that in your windowsill because it mm. almost forms quite a nice ground cover creeper type of wine. The thing with coriander and with a lot of your herbs, even your parsley, which I know you don't add to curries or anything, mm. is because you, you want them to be nutritious, make sure you plant them with good potting soil or good compost and remember to feed them because coriander has a three-month life cycle. So in a way, you should plant it continually every three months. Mm. And when it's finished, it's finished. Don't think that it's going to last for six months or a year because by then either it's going to have no nutritional value left or it's going to look terrible. Mm. And I think that's what some people forget about plants they forget maybe that it's an annual and particularly a lot of your herbs you know your basil as well they are annuals so rather just keep planting the seeds or keep buying them from your garden center so that you continually have a supply mm. and then those leaves that you don't use and the plants not looking so great rather put them in the freezer and you can use them in your Thai curries or in your stews at a later stage I mean even the one that's making a comeback for me which I think is so weird is Loris nobilis um, bay leaves. Bay leaf. I've got a yes. bay leaf tree. So have I. I've I, got I, one in a pot. Beautiful yeah. one. Oh no, mine's quite big, and I've topiaried it into a big ball, so it gets cut quite often. And then I dry out all the leaves, and I go yeah. around giving them to everybody. Yeah. So it's one of those things. I mean, I have a, a healthy supply, and it goes into all my soups, stews, curries, all of that kind of stuff. Word, of course, and they get very big. Yes, well, that's but why no, you no one, no, they no one get thinks big. they get very yeah. big because they're such slow growers mm. that you put them in a pot and then. You just like wait and wait and nothing seems to happen. But they do have the potential, as you say, to be huge. But it was really nice to see that people are actually using their kitchen herbs again. And rocket is another one. You no, know, It we, must do succession planting. The same thing with coriander and rocket, especially mm. the wild rocket, you know, yeah. the one with the small leaf. I mean, you have to successively mm. plant. You just don't go and throw the entire seed packet <laughs> yeah. into the bed, as my friend did. And she ended up with this whole shrubbery of rocket. Yeah. We also did some fennel. So I, I grabbed the fennel because she doesn't mm. eat it. But a really big thing of fennel, which I, I do with fish and rice, which is just unbelievable. It doesn't even taste like fennel because I'm not mm. partial to the licorice. Oh. Oh, I love licorice. <laughs> okay, then I will make you my fennel yeah. fish. How's that? But I mean, those you've so, got to successive plant mm. so that you know when you've used all of those leaves, then the next lot is coming through, and especially mm. with things like coriander. But would you be doing coriander now unless you have a nice, warm, protected Any, place? Yeah, nice, warm, protected place. Because mm. I see it, we still sell it as a herb, and that's why I think so many people are either having little greenhouses where they're continually growing plants that they, you know, for, more for spring and summer. Mm or they're putting it on their windowsill, or they're putting it on a patio where it's protected, gets nice mm. afternoon sun, but not. So I think that I know even with some of the seed suppliers, they're not even taking the seeds we would keep for uh, for summer. We don't even take them off the shelves anymore mm. because people are creating microclimates within their gardens to be able to grow all these weird and wonderful things that they can just keep using in their cooking. Okay, coriander's yes, not I weird or, you know. Most people wouldn't say it's wonderful either. But <laughs> I like coriander. What kind of garden do you need? I mean, I know this is a silly question, but you know, we okay. So you a sunny you've one. got your house and you've got all these trees and you've got and you say, well, you know, I think Kerry's making a lot of sense. I want to go and buy all this stuff at the garden center this week, and suddenly nothing happens. Yes, is the problem that I just do not have enough sun, and I either have to accept that or get rid of a lot of trees or something. Well, definitely for winter, I want to say winter veggies, vegetables and herbs generally need five hours of good sun mm. during the day. So we work on, especially in winter, we work on that 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock kind of sun that will make them produce wonderfully. 
But that being said, what happens in winter, you get all your lovely leafy greens. Oh, and I was just thinking your, about the Chinese greens to add yes, to stir fries and soups your as well. Chow mm. and those type of things. And then those ones actually can take a little bit more shade. I mean, I planted my, I want to say all my lettuces and my pak chow and my mizu. Spinach. Spinach. Spinach doesn't like that often. Yeah, the spinach. So those ones I've actually got in an alleyway in a window box. And it maybe gets only about two hours sun in the morning and maybe late afternoon another two hours sun. But I'm continually picking the spinach from there, which is really, really lovely. But when you think of some of the other ones, then I'm just trying to think, what else we have now in the winter to me i always say to the customers and my team said i had to stop saying it i said it's all the ugly tasting vegetables <laughs> How can you say the, that? don't you <laughs> yes. dare be nasty about brussels sprouts <laughs> exactly. and i have just rediscovered cauliflower and i hadn't eaten Ooh, cauliflower, cauliflower for such a long oh, time man. and i had some the other day and i was like uh, the cooked one I, yeah. I don't like it raw but my goodness it tasted fantastic i love, I love broccoli so, yeah so i'm telling customers to actually put those in pots even so mm. that they can almost, like you said, move your plants around. So, you know, the cauliflower could form a very decorative pot plant on your patio and that type of thing. You just have to be prepared for it to wait, you know, to, for it to grow. Because I think sometimes, especially when people plant seeds or even seedlings, they think, oh, it's going to be a cauliflower within, I don't know, a month. It's not going to take a month for that cauliflower no, to form like you buy it in your checkers, pick and pay or Woolworths. It's going to take a long time for it to grow. But when it does grow, I mean, imagine the cauliflower in a lovely terracotta pot. Oh, I think it's going and, to be gorgeous. And, and the pleasure of being able to harvest it and being able to know that you grew it. Yes. It's great. Yeah. And what's important for me is I think find out about the plant, know the plant, and know whether or not you've got the space to grow this plant. You know, do I have an ideal space for this plant? And if not, well, maybe yeah. I should just accept it and. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just looking at this space. recipe here oh, for this Thai recipe. So and I've got, I think I've got everything pretty much in my garden. I've got garlic in the garden. I've got turmeric. I've got coriander. I haven't got cumin, but I've got ground cumin. I've got chilies. I haven't got green <laughs> ones, though. I've got the wonderful cayenne ones, which are fantastic. I'll oh, use nice those instead. I have ginger. Uh, cardamom pop curry leaves I've got <laughs> most of the stuff I can actually get from my garden which is fantastic we're going to have to start growing some sunflowers and make our own oil that would be quite a cool one as well don't you think and then I'll have to have a koi pond and we'll grow fish in there <laughs> I could make this thing almost entirely from my garden although the rice might be a bit of a push but you have to buy something. We have to keep everybody in business. Mm, I so, suppose. You know, I think going to get the rice from your local But anyway, so there's store. all the stuff that you wow. need to basically get from your garden or have in your kitchen to it's be able to make garden. this with coconut milk. Oh, my goodness me. I'm sorry. I'm having – I'm like so hungry now. This is what I'm – I'm taking this recipe home and, and that's what I'm having for dinner. It's okay. I'm definitely not having that for dinner. So, <laughs> it's okay. Can we talk about something that's not gardening but one of my favorite plants yes. that Life as a Garden is speaking about is the Laura Petalum. Mm. We're talking about cold, hardy winter plants. The Laura Petalum is one of those that's got a beautiful, I said purple leaf, but you say burgundy, but I think it is more burgundy, mm. with a bright pink flower. And it's looking gorgeous at the moment. You also do get a white one, but they're very, very rare mm. at the moment. But it's very hard, very disease resistant, can form quite a pretty, and it can go in a pot. You can use it to form a hedge if you want. It's quite a nice structural plant. So if you're looking for something different to plant in your garden, I would definitely recommend the Laura Petalum or fringe plant. Fringe plant? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Around the fringes of your garden. Yeah, it's one of those fringe things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Only the people in the know get it. <laughs> Start a whole movie here. 
It's always exciting. I mean, I yeah, I have all these discussions with people like yourself, and everybody has this beautiful plant that they've discovered or that they've got or that yeah. they can get. You know, I just keep running out of space. Yeah, no. I keep on thinking I'm going to need to buy the house next door and knock most of it down, but then build <laughs> another garage so I'd be able to put all the motorbikes in there and then have the rest of the, t- the place for a garden. And a nice sunny corner for the olive trees so that you can actually <gasps> make your own olive oil as well. Oh, yes. I know some people yeah. who have been doing that. In fact, Maybe that was one of the lovely things about um, having gone out with an Italian guy for a while, for like quite a few years. His father was the most amazing chef and he used to make his own olives, his own wow. prosciutto. He taught me to do all of these things and how yeah. to eat an artichoke properly as well, Italian oh, style. Nice. So gardening becomes a lot more fun, not just when you're enjoying the beauty of it, yeah. but also knowing how to take what is in there and actually utilizing it in your own home as well. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, now I'm jumping around a bit, but back to the vegetables. One mm. of the ones that's looking amazing, and you said, you know, when, do you have to create almost a certain space for your vegetables to grow? Was the red mustard? Oh, yes. So I saw that growing in among somebody's rose garden. And it looked beautiful because now the red mustard is at knee height now in the wintertime. And she's going to start pruning all her roses. So those are going to look all ugly. And you're just going to have these giant, giant leaves, burgundy yeah. leaves everywhere, Thing which is, you get to pick. You don't I really want to eat it. It's really bitter. <laughs> I, I, I like testing people's taste buds with it. <laughs> no, that would be really testing somebody's taste buds. But I mean, I grew it just because one. it looked gorgeous, not mm. because I was going to eat it, unless you're going to do something like, I mean, sorrel as well is a beautiful thing to grow and also yeah. good for this time of the year. Mm. Green leaves with the red veins running through it, but uh, also quite an acquired yes, taste. Yes, quite t- uh, tart. Yeah, so the, green, yes. the red and mustard, mustard as well. Yes. Yo, it'll blow your head <laughs> off. <laughs> but if you wanted a spicy stir fry and not a stew or something. I'll you just stick with the pak toy and the tatsoi <laughs> and all of those little bits and pieces. They're fantastic. And I mean, yeah. it is the right time of the year to be growing those and eating them as mm. well. No, it is. The other one that's now not edible, but also a really nice plant for winter, if you want, it's got grey foliage, it's called a coria alba. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very water-wise. For those people who live on the coast, it's quite salt-tolerant as well. And But it's very pretty because it's got this grey foliage and then it's got little white bell flowers Mm. Much smaller than your fuchsias. Like when I think of bellflowers, I think of fuchsias. Much, much smaller, probably not even the size of a two-rand coin. Mm. But it's just full of them and you get this, I want to say it's almost like a peace type of feeling when you look at it, the grey and the white. And it is gorgeous and very nice and hardy, you know, because we are, I was reading in the Farmers Weekly how we are going to be a water-stressed country and we already know that. For very, very, very long time. She was reading ever and the ever. Farmer's Weekly. Yeah. Were you looking at the Boersuke Frau part of it as well? It's the Hitching Post. That's what I go and read. <laughs> My children but were laughing about that when there's this, what's that show? Boersuke Frau. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> Seriously, Mom. I said, yeah, I think I'm going to start watching that. Maybe that's where I need to be looking. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite magazines to read. It's just got interesting things. But they were talking about how we are going to have water shortages. Yeah. And actually, we just had a customer now who phoned and said she's moving her roses and putting them she has them scattered all over her garden she's consolidating them into one place where she can give them more water and look after them carefully and then creating succulents and dry garden beds in the places where they might have been scattered before but don't worry about your roses too much if you think about it those are the plants that actually handled everything very well in the drought yeah Yeah, they handled the drought roses are tougher than people think and i I think everyone thinks roses are delicate plants but they're quite tough yeah yeah but this time of the year is also quite a nice time to evaluate your garden, move those sort of plants yeah, that you might not be area. happy with, yeah. you know, regroup them, as you say, to according to their water needs. 
And I think it's just getting to know your garden. That's what's so important, the knowledge. I think it is. We've been called in to quite a few design revamps recently. Mm. And some of the biggest challenges we've had is advising the clients to regroup Mm. all their plants. Well, I, I advise people yeah. all the time to regroup as well. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're going to have to regroup and get on out of here. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. But um, I hope we've given you some food for thought and some plants for thought as well and that you get out into your garden and go and have a look and see how you can make it a better place. Uh, it's the right time of year. Michael, always wonderful to have you in the studio with me, darling. Always wonderful to be here. Um, Carrie? Carrie, always nice to talk yeah. to you. We'll catch you, up, catch up with you again in the not-too-distant future. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. And everybody, get into the garden, have some fun, and above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded.